1: Hello, Bulls fans, and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for joining me again this week. I don't usually uh, speak to you guys midweek, and I definitely didn't expect to be doing so. But given the latest unfortunate news surrounding the Bulls, with yet another key player going down with an injury for an extended period of time, I felt it was necessary to discuss Chris Dunn's knee injury and the potential repercussions this has for the Bulls over the next four to six weeks of the season. So. Joining me today to talk Dunn's injury as well as that crazy and weird, unexpected win over the over the Charlotte Hornets is Darnell Maybrew, who I'm sure everyone knows is a senior writer covering the Bulls for the Athletic. Darnell, thanks for jumping on the podcast, mate. Your first appearance on Bulls HQ, but I wish it was under better circumstances.
0: Yeah, it's not uh not uh ideal in Bulls Nation right now. It's pretty unfortunate start to this season. There was so much Uh, anticipation for what these guys were going to do coming back in year two of the rebuild is I guess what we're, what we're all calling it. But, you know, first day of camp, Denzel Valentine goes down. Uh, I think it was the second or third day of camp, Larry marketing goes down and then, you know, the, the injury news to Chris, Chris Dunn out of nowhere. I mean, it shocked everyone. uh, The other day when they announced it and, you know, everyone thought he was fine. The writers who were in Dallas, I was not. Uh, the writers who were in Dallas said they talked to him after the game and he was fine. He wasn't, you know, he didn't appear to have a limp or anything like that. He he answered questions and everyone thought everything was fine. And all of a sudden Fred Hoiberg steps to the mics um, the other day of practice and uh, announces this unfortunate injury news. And and everyone knows obviously how important the point guard position is and, and to not have Chris Dunn for, you know potentially up to two two months you know i know they're saying 4 to 6 weeks but you just never know i mean he he's going to have to get his rhythm and timing back he's going to have to get his conditioning his legs uh and that's hoping that everything goes well that he doesn't have a setback so you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how long he's out and what this team can do without him
1: yeah i mean i i, I didn't expect the news watching the game i had no idea that he was kind of hurt and the news came with a bit of a shock to me as I'm sure it did for most people. So just, just painting a picture for you, um, given the time zones for me, it was like 5 a.m. in the morning when I found out the news. I would woke up randomly at 5 a.m. in the morning. For whatever reason, I got on and checked Twitter in half a day and I don't know if you were necessarily the first one with the news, but for whatever reason as to where my timeline opened up, your tweet was the first one that I saw. When I saw the news that Dunn was out potentially for four to six weeks, or that he got hurt, I'm so, glad I uh, could
0: ruin your morning at five a.m.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to necessarily blame you for my lack of sleep, Darnell, but safe to say I didn't get to back to bed <laughs> at that point. But, but like I said, this injury was completely out of the blue for me. It was kind of rough in that sense. But did, did you see it happen in real time? And and did you notice it at the time? I know you had a you, you caught the play afterwards there after the game, but during the the game itself, did you did you see him get hurt at all?
0: I didn't. I thought there was another play in the game that slips my mind right now, but there there was another play that I felt like, oh boy, that didn't look good. But, uh, you know, turns out he was fine. And it was the another play, uh, the one I put on Twitter, that is the one that he actually got hurt on. And that's uh, just unfortunate because it was such a routine basketball play. And, uh, you know, he he, he actually made the layup. I was kind of joking with some some other writers that for as much as he struggles sometimes finishing, he made the layup and you know, then obviously has the uh, the unfortunate injury to his knee. So uh, I didn't see it. I didn't see it live and I had to go back and, and review that second quarter to see what play it happened on. So um, it, you just feel bad for Chris Dunn because like a lot of these guys, he's put in so much work and tried to uh, really become a better player and improve his his game. And, you know, the birth of his son, that's excusable. Obviously, uh, you know, that's the most important thing in life. He misses the first two games, he comes back, and then all of a sudden, in that first game that he's that he plays, uh, this happens. And so now he's going to miss four to six weeks at minimum, and uh, you just feel bad for the, the young man.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it, it's yeah, it's unfortunate news for Dunn. and, and given, you know, the amount of work that these guys put in the off season then to come back in your first game and get hurt. It it must be, you know, it's obviously tough for us fans, but for for someone like Dunn to be in his position, it's probably even worse for him. But on, on some levels, I'm not surprised that he got hurt. I, I mean, the way he plays the game, it, it's not unsurprising for him to get hurt, but even though I didn't necessarily expect it to happen in the first game back, but like you said, he's out four to six weeks now, maybe even longer. Who knows? But how do the Bulls even try to cover this situation in the immediate ter- uh, short term? I think we've all been pointing out that the 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 gaps that the Bulls have on the bench, particularly at point guard. But how do they even try to cover this in the immediate short term?
0: Yeah, I think we're seeing it, uh, and and we've saw we saw it the first two games without Chris, and and we saw it. Um, Against Charlotte at home, uh, you know, the first game Chris missed after the injury news was announced, they're putting the ball in Zach Levine's hands a ton this year because they just don't have uh, very many other options. Cameron Payne has been, uh, I think, solid, not spectacular, far from spectacular, but solid. And Ryan Archidiacono has really played well. So, um, you know, those two guys are giving them good minutes uh, at times, but... Levine is really gonna to have to be the guy who, who everything runs through and Jabari Parker as well. So if they can get better production out of those two guys as playmakers, then I think that that'll help them be able to withstand this loss for a little bit. But you know, as you know, Mark, the problem is Zach Levine hasn't been great as a playmaker or a distributor, um, you know, a lead ball handler. He he's had some experience in this league going back to Minnesota. Uh, but you know, his his decision making can stand to improve his assist to turnover ratio. Can stand to improve. Um, you know some of the passes that he makes are, are, are risky, unnecessary passes, and you know he's got to really work on that to be able to to carry the load if if they're going to be looking to him to, to facilitate and play and lead this team with the ball in his hands.
1: So yeah, that that's something that I was expecting to see more of Levine dominating the ball. Like he has been a high usage player in the first few games anyway, so it was probably going to be the case once Dunn was was back, uh, irrespective of that. But I, I guess I was expecting Levine to take over a little bit more, maybe have some lineups where Levine is is uh, functioning as a sole point guard, and maybe even out there with maybe like Chandler Hutchinson and and Justin Holiday surrounding him on the wing, but. We just got done watching the Hornets game, so it's not necessarily the uh, the best example, given that Payne and Archie Diakono were actually quite good in this game. But do you foresee a situation where the Bulls are sort of going away from lineups where they don't necessarily have a traditional point guard out there and and, and are pretty much just running Levine at point guard as such?
0: Not not at this time because, like you said, Cameron Payne just had the game of his life. Uh, Ryan Archie Diacono has given him good minutes. Uh, and, and so I do think Fred Hoiberg wants to continue to have a, a secondary ball handler out there. Uh, I do think that when Denzel Valentine comes back, and who knows when that might be, mm. then that might give them a little bit more flexibility, uh, a room to play with something something like that, uh, because Denzel can handle the ball. And you know, I'm not saying he's a point guard and should be bringing the ball up the floor, but he can, you know, facilitate and make some plays in the half court set. So. Uh, I think that that could be an interesting look. And and Fred Hoiberg actually just mentioned it at practice yesterday that, uh, you know, because Zach has so much experience running point guard back in Minnesota, he feels really comfortable with him in that position. So uh, I do think that once Denzel comes back, we could see something like that.
1: Yeah, I, I like that move. I think that'll be interesting, and we, we got to see more of Hutchison tonight. He's not necessarily a ball player in terms of, of out there creating, but I thought he played pretty well tonight. But that's something I want to see either before Valentine comes back or or even after he is back. But thinking more holistically of this point guard situation and the fact that the Bulls will be leaning quite heavily on Payne and Archie Diakono now in place of Dunn, I mean, these two guys are young, inexperienced guards. They're fighting for their careers uh, at this point, essentially, particularly Payne coming into the last year of his rookie deal. But just thinking holistically and just generally how management have gone about building or fitting out this point guard position, do do you have any insight at all as to why they opted to use both the backup and the third string and maybe even a little bit of the fourth string point guard slots here on guys that are fighting fighting for their careers who have I guess not a lot of experience in, in situations in running teams.
0: The the truth of the matter is I don't think they look at it like that. I think they really believe in Cameron Payne and if nothing else, believe in giving him a, a shot. And, uh, you know, I'm working on a, a story on Cameron Payne and about all of his trials and tribulations and, excuse me, sort of what he's been through and, and how he got here and, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating story and I think that's something that a lot of people don't really take the time to take into consideration his backstory and um some of the the injuries and and just the the adversities that he's had and had to overcome um you know to get on the floor just to get on the floor forget about playing well uh, and i and I do think that the front office takes that into consideration much more than the fans do and they want to be able to say that they know without a shadow of a doubt that he is not the player that they thought he was or uh, is not the player who can be uh, a a capable backup going forward. So, um, you know, I think they're just really trying to do their best to give him every opportunity that they can uh, when healthy. That's a key phrase, Mark, when healthy, uh, because he hasn't had health on his side throughout his career. And um, when he is healthy, you know, he has moments where he looks like he's a very, very uh, capable backup point guard. Uh, But it's just, you know, having that health on his side has been a a really big issue for him. And the front office knows it. uh, Payne knows it. The coaching staff knows it. And when he's healthy, uh, they want to be able to see what he can do out there. As far as Ryan Archidiacono, I don't think they look at him as anything more than a third point guard uh, to be able to use in emergency situations. And and in year two of the rebuild, they want to give him some opportunities, too. And he's obviously playing well and, and showing them that he can he can go out there and contribute and make an impact on this team. So you have to tip your cap to, to Archie Diakono because he is making the most of the opportunity and that's what you want to see guys do.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and like I said, it's it's probably not the best game to judge this situation or the best time to, to be judging it right now given that Payne had a career night and even Archie Diakono off the bench was quite good with his 10 points as well. But I, I guess my point, large, my larger point rather, is whilst I... Understand the need to maybe have someone like Cameron Payne in there. It would have been nice to maybe have one of Payne or Archie Diakono, or even one of Eulis and Harrison. Be well that spot be to a veteran guard. I think particularly with a lot of these young forwards on young forwards and centers on the on the Rosses sort of thing. But it is what it is, I guess. But I, I, I guess you've essentially answered my next question. Was for me, I, I have concerns about, about this point guard rotation. So I was I was thinking larger or larger term now, or longer term rather, given that Dunny's out, if there was potential for a trade to sort of uh, materialize, given that Dunny's out for quite a while, and we've got so much inexperience at the point guard position, but having just heard what you just uh, suggested there, that's probably unlikely.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, they really don't have the means to go out there, Um, in free agency, you know, trying to grab someone, unless it's a minimum contract, and obviously they'd have to waive someone else, which shouldn't be an issue on this team, but... Uh, in terms of a trade, I don't see I don't see that happening because they know that uh Dunn's coming back. You know, it's it's not a long term injury. Um and if you make that move, what are you really trying to accomplish at this point? Uh when you have two guys who you actually do want to get a, a better look at, um if you go out and, and try to get someone, you have to give up an asset, at least one asset, you know. Hopefully not a draft pick uh, to to get a temporary guy in here, and I just don't think that that is something that's on their radar. Now, with that being said, as soon as this podcast publishes or, or posts, they'll probably make a trade. Knowing my luck, <laughs> but but uh, I just don't see it happening. And if it did, I'd be I'd be surprised because mostly because of number one, the cost. What would it cost the team, and number two, uh, what would it cost in terms of You know, jeopardizing some of the other guys' minutes to guys that they want to have have a a nice hard look at.
1: Yeah, I mean that. There's certainly fair points. Again, I I just go back to thinking about Larry Markin and and even Wendell Carter Jr. And yeah, I I guess in the totem pole of things, I, I put their development first, and having maybe a mature age point guard around the squad could help. You know, develop those guys at a more rapid rate. But I mean, you make good points that it's probably unlikely as to why the Bulls will bring in a veteran point gun at this point. But but thinking about Dunn and, and the fact that he's obviously gone down here with an injury uh, so soon in the season, he obviously missed time last season with a, a spate of random and just, just, just weird injuries, I guess, particularly that one against the Golden State Warriors where he, he landed on his face almost. And, um, you know, that untimely injury there after he was playing well do the Bulls treat Dunn now as an injury prone guy going forward or do they view these injuries as just completely random and you know things that just can't be explained or necessarily planned for? How do you think they'll view him from uh I guess projecting him forward on the roster?
0: I think that they'll probably operate as if he is, you know, had some bad luck has had some bad luck and and you know has had some fluke injuries. Now my problem with that argument or that logic is that is the definition of injury prone. You know, I mean, if you have these fluke injuries and they continue to happen to you, that's, that makes you injury prone. And, you know, I think Chris Dunn is injury prone. I, you know, I I really do believe that because he continues to have just these fluky things happen to him. Uh, You know, he was going in for a layup and I'm sure, you know, all the listeners have seen that play by now um and if they haven't you know it's just a random you know l- driving layup that um is just a routine basketball play and he comes down he does come down a little bit awkwardly but you, you barely notice it uh and and all of a sudden you know it's a it's a significant knee injury so to me that's the definition of injury prone uh now whether or not that changes the bulls thinking going forward I can't really speak to that I do think that they are going to, uh, you know, continue to give him an opportunity and, and just try to h- flank him with a backup point guard that is capable. And, um, you know, we're seeing them spin their wheels trying to trying to find quality players. They brought in Shaquille Harrison. They they brought in Tyler Eulis on the two-way deal. Uh, and at some point, I do think we're going to see those guys get some opportunities. But I'd be shocked if they do much differently. Uh, in, the, in in light of Chris Dunn's latest injury.
1: Yeah. And to your point, look, he missed 30 games last season with a, a few injuries last season. He's probably going to miss at least 20 games. You would imagine here with the knee injury. So, you know, and hopefully fingers crossed there's nothing. There's no more injuries for the remainder of the season for him, but it's not the, it's not the start that he needed for year three coming into a season where, at least in my opinion, he was probably the most important player on the roster, given that I, I, I have my concerns about the depth at point guard, so I'm hoping he gets back quick and when he does return that he's ready to go and, and he's fully fit and healthy because the Bulls will be desperately needing him, particularly once Larry Markinen is back and, and hopefully the team at that point is still a a, a slight chance to maybe uh, maybe not necessarily make the playoffs, but at least by, be playing competitive basketball like they did tonight against the, the Charlotte Hornets, so let's talk about the Hornets. and. My first question to you, Donnell, about this Hornets is: Do you want to take credit for this one? Because you've mentioned it before. You've uh, you've probably been one of the lone voices about Cameron Payne, sort of sticking up for the guy in a time where a lot of Bulls fans are pretty quick to get on someone like Cameron Payne. So, do you want to take credit uh, credit for this uh, Cameron Payne performance and, and for this W?
0: Not at all. Cameron <laughs> Payne deserves all the credit, and you know it's kind of it's kind of you know, for for your listeners, I'd like to clear up something. It's not that I am saying Cameron Payne is, you know, the next Isaiah Thomas. Um, You know, but I do think that he has shown us glimpses of his potential in terms of being able to knock down threes and not just in this Hornets game. uh, But even before then, I mean, I think, what did he shoot? 38% last Mm. year when he came back, something like that from three. So the guy is capable. He's a capable player. And what I sort of don't understand. I'll put it that way. When it comes to the fan base and, and the hate for Cameron Payne is <clears throat> some of the adjectives that are used. And I don't know what you, you know, how colorful you get with your language on your podcast, Mark, but it's some very colorful language. And I just don't understand how they can say that the guy is worthless and useless and, you know, other words that that I, I'll refrain from using. Uh, and, and that's my that was my whole thing is just, Let's look at what he's doing and not just uh you know go along with the crowd and say that he is this you know unusable player because that's far from the truth when he's healthy, he's proven that or demonstrated at least in spurts he does need to work on consistency. He'll be the first to admit that, but he's not a worthless player uh he's not a useless player uh and, and he does do some things very well, and that's all I was really trying to get across let me back up not very well he does do some things well <laughs> um so so that that's it and and uh you know it, it's good to see him after battling through so much adversity go out there and have some success and and um you know I think he deserves it uh he, he he's really been through a lot and I know I'm sounding like a Cameron Payne defender right now and and again trust me that's not what I'm trying to do I just really don't understand the logic behind calling him worthless and useless and so many other things. And, and I guess it's probably, I'm looking at it from a different angle because I didn't care about Todd Gibson, like bulls fans do yeah. did yeah. and do mm-hmm. uh, you know, I didn't care that the bulls traded the farm, you know, I'm I'm exaggerating here, but traded so much to get him. Uh, I, I, I didn't care about that. You know, I just look at what he's, what he is uh, and what he's able to do. And, I think so many people are are probably taking out those things on him. And to me, that's unfair.
1: Yeah. And look, you raised the exact point I was going to raise. And, you know, you've probably seen a lot more pain than what we have given you've spent some time in OKC before Chicago. So, he couldn't get
0: on the floor. <laughs> it's not like he, was, he couldn't get on the floor down there either too much. So. That,
1: that's true. But you still, have, uh, you still would have seen more from Payne than what most Bulls fans did, would have before he uh, stepped, stepped on the floor for the Chicago Bulls. And, and to the point you exactly raised, I think Payne, in a lot of ways, in the same way that Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, sort of that stigma they carried early last season, because they were traded, and they were traded for players that were beloved by this franchise or the fans of this franchise franchise. And they came in and they didn't necessarily perform up to expectations. And given the, uh, the angst this fan base has towards management, it, it's unfair that someone like Payne or even and Levine last season, it, it's unfair the anger they cop, the, uh, the wayward anger they cop from fans. And I'm, look, I've been guilty of it myself at, at times. So I, I can't necessarily speak too highly here, but, I understand the position you're taking as well because I feel like I'm doing the same for Fed Hoyberg. But I, and whilst I don't necessarily want to paint the picture that you're a, this this huge uh, defender of Cameron Payne, I think it's fair to say that your voice in this has been not unique, but it's it's one that the the, the fan base sort of needs to hear because. You, raise, you have raised some good things about Cameron Payne in terms of what he can do. I'm sure in this story that you're producing as well will be a good one, an insightful one for Bulls fans to read because it is very easy to overlook the guy. But tonight he was absolutely awesome, 21 points, hit seven threes. And I'm pretty sure they're all in the second half, which I'm, I believe is a franchise-tying record. I, th- I th- believe I saw that on Twitter, which was kind of crazy, but I'm not sure if they get this win without Cameron Payne
0: yeah I mean that's the that's the crazy thing about it is he was scoreless in the first half, and I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go, it's Philly all over again you know when when I thought he was you know a lot of people kind of really um had some choice words about his performance in that game, and I thought you know I went back and watched his minutes, and I thought that he performed okay, you know, he did his job, he could have done it better he could, he needed to make some shots. Uh, and he needed to be a little bit more aggressive, offensively. Um, but he did a lot of things w- fairly well in that game. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking, he was 0 for two in the first half in the, in this Hornets game. Uh, you know, he was getting some teammates involved a little bit, but he also struggled a little bit turning the ball over. And you know, he hadn't scored. And I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. Uh, uh, Hoiberg's about to go to Archidiakono any minute, and uh to his credit again he comes out in the in the second half and scores all twenty one of his points and, and hits those seven threes and and it's crazy that Hoyberg said it after the last home game that Payne just needs one shot to go down. Uh you know he just needs to see one go in and then it, it takes the lid off for him and he, he grows confident and you know next thing you know he's he's starting to knock him in. We've never seen him do this before. He's never done it before. But uh, you know it, it kind of shows you what he's capable of when he feels like he is comfortable and confident and in a rhythm uh and, and is just out there playing freely and loosely and uh, you know he can, he can make an
1: impact definitely and look it was obviously the three pointers that were the the story of the game the seven from 11 from uh, behind the three point line that was huge but he also came out there grabbed five rebounds had four assists but he was also good in that Detroit Pistons game as well so it's not like it's been a complete aberration for Payne. even though that I don't necessarily expect him to come out and shoot uh, and make seven threes next game but he's been okay to start this season and I think we do we were a little bit harsh on him after that Philly game going up against Ben Simmons in place of Chris Dunn that's never easy task, but as much as this game was about Cameron Payne and, and the threes that he, he hit, ultimately the Bulls win this game because of Zach Levine, so another 30 point night for Zach, he also had the, the uh, 4 rebounds and 5 assists we talked about his playmaking ability and, and the fact that he's sort of growing in that space, and this is probably the silver lining with have done out, that we get to see Zach Levine, the playmaker, and what he can do and hopefully that will be the silver lining and this will be an opportunity for him to grow a little bit more as well, but Take me through your thoughts about Zach Levine tonight, his performance in general, and what you liked from what you saw from him again in this game against the Hornets, but generally what we've seen since the start of preseason.
0: Well, it's it's, it's interesting because, and I don't know, uh, you know, I wasn't really paying too much attention to Twitter outside of what I was tweeting during the game. But So I don't know what everyone else thought about his performance tonight, but I thought he was very, very disappointing in the first half. Um, and, and again, I don't know what else, what anyone else thinks of it, but I just didn't like the way he came out. He, I, I thought he was playing selfishly. I, mm-hmm. It looked to me like he was gunning for thirty points to continue the streak. Uh, you know, which players have been known to do, and they they hear these stats and they want to keep streaks alive and uh, you know continue to, to to boost their resume and 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 have their name mentioned among all time greats. And tonight, with his fourth straight thirty point game um, to start the season, he put himself in a conversation with only Michael Jordan, uh, as among bulls who have done that. So, you know, it it was Michael Jordan, Bob Love and him. And now it's just Zach Levine and Michael Jordan. And that's obviously great company. Uh, but I just didn't like the way he came out in the first half. There were two or three possessions where Justin holiday was wide open for a kickout and Zach Levine just kind of forced shots and dribbled in traffic. And Uh, You know, some of the shots he made, I think he was four of nine, something like that in the first half, but uh, he he just didn't look like the same player we saw throughout most of the first three games. He had his moments, his rough patches in, in some of those first three, but I just thought he was a little too aggressive tonight in the first half, but wonderful in the second half. And the reason I didn't really, I really didn't like what he did in the first half was because he can get his shot whenever he wants. He's the only guy on the team. Antonio Blakeney might be in that category, but I, you know, yeah. on a different, on a much smaller scale, yeah. um, he's going And it won't be for a lack of trying if he doesn't, if he's not able to get it. He's gonna try to get a <laughs> shot. But, but uh, I do think that Zach Levine is the only guy who can consistently get a good look whenever he wants, uh, or get to the rim or get to the free throw line. Uh, so I felt like he should have come out a little bit more. Um, in playmaker mode and and tried to get others involved and he didn't do that. And it looked like some of the shots he would take, he was taking was just, they were just so forced and, uh, and you could just see the the look on Justin Holliday's face, like Zach, I'm open, pass me the ball. Uh, And Zach refused. So uh, I didn't like the first half, but I did love his his second half. And especially the way he closed the game, uh, defending, switching out to Kimball Walker and, and really uh, doing the best he could to limit Kimba. So so really nice game from for Zach. Um, some of the shot selection, again, in the first half, I didn't really like or care for, uh, but I thought he he really smartened up in the second half and, and played much more in control and much more within himself.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, and I can agree to that because I think in that Dallas game as well, whilst he had that 30.9 against the Mavericks, I thought a lot of his shots that he took in that Dallas game weren't, necessarily good ones, but to your point, he came good in that second half, particularly on defense. Like There's still always going to be a couple of plays where you can highlight where his defense isn't great. I know I did that tonight on Twitter where he completely lost sight of his uh, defender. And I think it was uh, Nick Batu went in there for an easy dunk at one point, maybe in the second quarter. But I think largely you have to be pretty happy with what Levine dished up, particularly at the fact that the Bulls got the ball back there on a defensive play he made on Kemba Walker. So they were in a position there to to go and... To get some points at the towards the end of the game and really ice that game or we'll take the lead in, of in that game because of a defensive play Zach Levine made, which is not something we're used to saying about Zach.
0: Yeah, he's trying. You, I mean, you can say a lot about his defense, but the one thing that I will say is that he is trying. Uh, there are times when he just it just looks horrendous because he loses his man so easily, mm. uh, and next thing you know, it's a backdoor or a uh, you know a wide open three, something like that. But I, I do think he is genuinely giving good effort for the most part he when it comes to transition he needs to get get back on defense and and that can be a lot better but um especially like when he misses a layup or or doesn't get a call something like that so um although he hadn't missed many layups this season that's one of the things about zach's zach's uh, performance early season performance has really been impressive some of the acrobatic layups that he's been able to make left hand right hand doesn't matter. He's He's finishing incredibly well, and uh, you know I think that's almost getting lost in the mix of some of the three pointers that he's making and some of the other difficult shots that he's he's making. So um, I, I do like what he's done this year. He's you know I'm not going to sit here and, and 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 criticize him too harshly because um, you know I, I think he's giving good effort defensively and he's making incredible shots offensively and not without so much help you know he doesn't have a lot of help out there offensively. Bobby Portis has had that great first game and he's kind of been excuse me, he's kind of been uh downhill from there. Uh and now he's going to have this his knee scanned uh in the morning. What is that going to be? What's today? I don't even know what today. It's Thursday morning uh in Chicago and and you got to have your fingers crossed that he's not going to be out for a significant amount of time. But he declined comment to reporters today. Uh, the Bulls will not practice on Thursday so you know who knows what the status of Bobby Portis is going to be going forward that's going to be interesting because they can't afford to lose another largely reliable player
1: yeah well I mean that's that's the funny thing in in a way our injuries uh, funny isn't the right word but you would have thought the power forward position was probably the the strongest the Bulls are probably at but Larry Markman is is obviously out now potentially Bobby Portis too, I guess that pretty much only really leaves Jabari Parker at power forward. So seeing Portis go down, and he was clearly in obvious pain after getting hurt there. I'm not sure if it was the ankle or the knee, maybe a combination of the two, but it it, it doesn't look great for Portis. So that's probably the only real negative coming out of this game. So hopefully it's not too bad for Bobby, given that, one, he's been playing pretty well to start the season, and the fact that he's obviously a free agent in the offseason, turned down, or the Bulls and and Portis couldn't reach an extension. So hopefully it's not a significant knee injury or something of that nature for Bobby, but that's probably the only real negative coming out of this game. But do you think uh, Zach Levine was uh, a little bit happier with some of the sets that uh, Fred Hoiberg was running there?
0: You know, (laughs) I was sitting there laughing on press row tonight because (laughs) I'm thinking Cameron Payne's got the hot hand. I wonder if they're going to run sets for Cameron Payne and get the ball to the right (laughs) people, you know, so. It just—it was just funny to to think back to that comment. And now to see Cameron Payne have the hot hand, are you, you going to give the ball up, Zach? Probably not, especially not to Cameron Payne. But but uh, I don't even remember the question, Mark. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, it was, it was more just me being a, a bit silly there about just pointing out the – The uh, random and odd comments uh, Levine had after the Dallas game where he was sort of, I wasn't sure if he was calling out Hoiberg necessarily or necessarily calling out the team for not running the appropriate sets that Hoiberg was designing out of timeouts or whatever it may have been. It was kind of an odd one, but it came out randomly. But yeah, it was just uh, just pointing or poking a little fun there given that the Bulls managed to to eke out this win and there probably won't be any talk about bad coaching or bad uh, play calls or anything of that. After this game, I'm I'm tipping.
0: Fred hoiberg i thought coached a heck of a game
1: yes Um, he did
0: you know his late game execution uh or 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 decision making not execution but late game decisions uh were on point i thought he did offense for defense on the possession uh where zach got the steal he took out jabari parker he puts in ryan archidiacono uh, you know smaller quicker, more athletic, I don't know if he's more athletic, but he's scrappier. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely scrappier. More and grit. He's, yeah, he's going to go out there and, and give it all defensively. You know that about Archie Diakono. And then when the Bulls got the ball back, he takes out Archie Diakono and puts in Jabari Parker. So, uh, And not just that, but he continued to target Kimball Walker in that ball screen, get it, trying to get the switch on, uh, on Cameron Payne's man, who was Kimball Walker, uh, and get a smaller man on Zach Levine, um, and Zach Levine went to work. Obviously, that that one of the, the last shots he took, people didn't like because he settled and looked like he had a clear driving lane to, to try to either get closer to the rim or and and finish or kick out to it. Cameron Payne was sitting on seven threes at that point. So, um, you know, I, I really liked what I, what we saw from Fred Hoiberg tonight.
1: Yeah, me too. And and as someone who's been uh, branded a Hoiberg defender at this point, I was very happy to see some of the changes he made in this game. So we talked about a couple there uh, in terms of offensive and uh, defensive sort of substitutions that he made towards the death of the game. But even in that second quarter, even during the first quarter, the fact that he went to Cristiano Felicio, to me at least, was was an attempt to really corral Kemba Walker. Now that Dunn was out, and and they were switching a lot more with the bigs, there, with using Felicio in place of Lopez at that in in that situation. So that was an interesting move from from Hoiberg. Felicio came up pretty big, nine points, five rebounds in this game. But isn't, but even given more men, uh, minutes to Chandler Hutchinson, who was. Probably really was not probably he was really good eight points for for the rookie there in thirteen minutes I was a little bit concerned in terms of where he was going he hadn't looked very strong through preseason and the start of this season but that was definitely his best showing and he had that huge dunk in the second quarter so that was an adjustment from Fred Hoiberg getting minutes to Felicio but also playing Chandler Hutchinson more
0: yeah and and you know when Felicio checked in the first time I I don't know what Wendell Carter had going on maybe he had something in his eye maybe he had something in his shoe i don't Mm -hmm. know but he came out for about a minute but it was so early in the game i think it was about nine minutes left in the game in the first quarter um and and cristiano Felicio's checking in you know not only is he checking in he's checking in over robin lopez he's checking in early in the game and i'm thinking what is happening here and i'm i say okay when when wendell came back in i thought all right, he you know Wendell had something wrong, and this was just they didn't want to mess up the rotation and put Robin in. But when it was time for Wendell to sit, they right they went right back to Felicio, and I'm thinking, am I on Mars right now? What what is happening? <laughs> but then again, to his credit, and I'm saying that a lot because everyone played well tonight. I thought it was um, pretty much everyone played well. Well, um, but Felicio played played his butt off and you have to give him credit because he came in and he did exactly what he was supposed to do, uh, in his minutes. And for a guy who hasn't played, I don't know if he's gotten in the game at all this year. Um, yeah, I I can't remember
1: seeing him. He may have played spot minutes in a blowout or something like that, but not meaningful minutes.
0: So for a guy who hasn't played at all, uh, you gotta, you, you really got to give him credit for, for going out there and, and performing the way he did. I mean, I thought he was you know, he he was making himself available for passes on on rolls to the rim uh you know he was rebounding he was moving his feet defensively and, and 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 picking up the coverages that the bulls were throwing at the hornets tonight so uh you know I thought he played really well and and uh you know that's not something I expected to say the least
1: no definitely and look I I assumed I had missed the news about Robin Lopez I thought maybe I missed a tweet or something that he was not available for some reason, in this game, hence why uh, Felicio was checking in, but that wasn't the case. I was I was surprised as anyone else, but as as he pointed out, he was really good. But obviously, we're uh, reveling in this win at the moment. But there's probably still some some um, some lasting concerns, some themes that we've seen over the first nine or so games, including preseason, that still reared its head in this Hornets game. Even though the Bulls got the win, the two point win, they still gave up 110 points to the Hornets, who aren't necessarily an offensive juggernaut themselves. The Bulls' defensive rating tonight, 115.8, which is a, a marginal pr- improvement on what they've been doing in other games, but still pretty poor. They gave up 35 three-point attempts. They had eight more turnovers than the Hornets, so they've still got a lot to clean up before their next game against the Hornets on the road.
0: Come on, Mark. Can we just enjoy one win for <laughs> one night?
1: <laughs> we, we can, <laughs> no. we can, but i got to bring it, bring us back down to some sort of uh, realistic plane here.
0: Uh, no, you you make great points, obviously. But uh, I think what, one thing that we've probably all got to wrap our minds around with the scoring is it's up and yeah. it's going to yep. stay up. And 110 points is the new 100 points. You know, so uh, I, I think they did a, a terrific job. They held the Hornets, I think, what, 43 percent shooting. Uh, the Hornets took 35 threes, only made 10 of, of yep. those threes. So, uh, you know, they they. <clears throat> they did a, a really nice job, I thought, defensively. Uh obviously there are still holes, there's still gaps, there's still lapses, there's still um some some rotations that are off, but the effort I thought was tremendous tonight, and I thought it was you know miles better than what it's been. So uh it, I was impressed. I was impressed with them and and, and not to mention Kimball Walker. You know, Cameron Payne almost outplayed Kimber Walker.
1: Mm, he did.
0: Uh, and, and you could probably say he did. I mean, it, the box score doesn't show it. You know, Kimba had 23 points. Payne had 21. But Kimba was 5 of 14. So the defensive job they did on Kimber Walker, who's off to a great start this season, scoring the ball, uh, I thought I thought was, was incredible. Now, on Friday, I think Kimba Walker is going to end up with 45 points. <laughs> I just he was mad all night. He was griping to the refs all night and and he just never seemed to find his rhythm. And I think going back home, seeing this team and seeing what they did to him, they you know they they trapped him, they switched a lot early, then they start trying to trap him. Uh they threw a lot of coverages at him. Uh but again the Bulls executed those coverages nicely. Uh and I, I think he's gonna bounce back and Friday could be a different story.
1: Hopefully. Well well, Hopefully for the Bulls, it's not the, that the story, but um, yeah, you would expect the Hornets, a mature age roster, to be probably reeling after this win, a, a, a when they pro- or a game they probably uh thought they may have had a W here, particularly on the road. So they go back home now and obviously face the Bulls, and we'll be trying to get back that W, but. Have you been somewhat surprised about the three-point offense as well as the three-point defense for the Chicago Bulls? With, obviously, I've referenced the three-pointers there. The Bulls are pretty much last in the league in three-point attempts, but beyond that, even on offense, the Bulls haven't been necessarily taking many threes themselves, and I think prior to this game, it was only 26 threes per game, which is, uh, was bottom five per, uh, per game in the league. They were getting outscored by about 15 points from the three-point line prior to this game, so... Not only have they been giving up a lot giving up a lot of threes, but they haven't been making them themselves now, Obviously when you take out Lowry Martin and Denzel Valentine from the rotation, that's going to impact your your ability to hit threes from deep but did you expect such a discrepancy that we've seen over the first four games in this regular season
0: I didn't and i tell you I know the exact moment when I felt some concern it was the I think it was the second preseason game in Milwaukee uh and it, we you know I think a lot of it had to do with Jabari Parker going out there and trying to prove a message, but from the from the opening tip, it just did not look good offensively. The ball was not moving. they moved the ball, I thought a lot better last season uh you know when people were in the in the lineup and healthy and uh I just didn't think that the ball was moving, and you know I looked up at the numbers just yesterday, and sure enough, they're dead last in passes per game. And I think we're seeing way too much isolation, which is very disturbing because Zach Levine's the only elite one-on-one scorer they have. Um, and, and then I think they're all trying to do it too much. Really, I, I do. Uh, I think they're all trying to do too much on their own, I should say. And they got to get away from that. Somehow, way. they've got to try to get back to working the ball around uh and and getting good looks and helping each other out i mean zach's on a mission i think and he said you know he wants to prove that he's worth the contract it looks like he's coming out there trying to prove that he's worth the contract at times Uh, but i do think he's played well for the most part but i think he needs to move the ball more i think jabari parker needs to move the ball more i actually thought jabari parker in this hornets game moved the ball incredibly well like he was finding uh his teammates and, and and getting guys get good looks so um, you know you got to give give him a lot of credit for for the way that he came out there and played in that Hornets game but defensively in terms of giving up threes i just think that they they're having so much trouble stopping the ball ball movement is going to kill this team until they figure out these rotations because you saw it in that Dallas game the ball just whipped around and whipped around until they found the open shooter uh and you know the teams that are willing to do that are going to get whatever open shot they want, as long as they're patient. And the Bulls haven't demonstrated that level of patience. And it's, I think, one of the reasons we're not seeing them uh, get as many three-point shots. But also, Fred Hoiberg has said that he wants them to drive the ball. Uh, He wants them to continue to put pressure on the defense and try to get some free throws, which I understand that logic completely. But at the same time, in a league where everyone's shooting so many threes now, uh, driving the ball and, and, and pulling up for the Jabari Parker special, the, the long contested <laughs> mid-range shot, you know, that's that's not going to win you very many games. You know, that's not a fair fight. So I think they need to start trying to match wits with some of these teams. And, and obviously without Laurie marketing and, and uh, Denzel Valentine, it's going to be hard to keep up, but, Hey, you got Cameron Payne hitting seven of them a game now.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that just, just adds to the aberration of this game and the fact that the Bulls probably don't get this W without Payne tonight, which is which is kind of crazy to think about. But it's a little bit more crazy to think about because you had something on The Athletic that uh, this morning, my time at least, that I read, which was... Uh, somewhat scathing about the Bulls, I guess and just their their general state of the franchise and you referenced the fact that the team wasn't moving the ball in that piece that the fact that they're pretty much last in the league in passes and touches at the moment all this prior to this Hornets game so I gave you credit before for this win but do you feel like this is kind of like an ironic win that you release that sort of pretty um that fire article but at the same time the Bulls come out then after that and pretty much have this just crazy random stupid game <laughs> Yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, but I, here's what happens in this league all the time in professional sports, really all the time. You know, guys, teams have adversity. Uh, they hit adversity and, and they, you know, everyone's counting them out and they go out there and they put together one great game or one great performance and, uh, you know, get a feel good win. And then before you know it, it's right back to uh, the status quo. And you know, I'm not predicting that the Bulls will you know go out there and, and just continue to lay more eggs, but I do think that there it's going to be a struggle. They just don't have the firepower. Zach Levine's not going to score 30 points I every. Mean, he's not going to average 30 points this season. I don't think. Uh, he looked like he was trying tonight, though. Um, so I, I think that that was probably a little bit of what what went on uh win one for the Gipper type thing. They knew Chris Dunn was gonna be out for a while. They knew their backs were against the wall. And so they wanted to go out there and really put on a nice uh performance and play well. And <clears throat> you know, look, you know, they were they were a, a a Charlotte Hornets turnover away from losing this game. So I don't want to act like everything is, you know, and, and you just said it, you know, there's still some issues, but but uh, you know, I, I don't think this one game overshadows the um what's the word that I want to use? The the spectacle that this that this season has become quickly. And for as long as these guys are going to be out with injuries, uh, and as long as they're going to be relying on, you know, Cameron Payne and Ryan Archadiacano, and apparently Cristiano Felicio and Chandler Hutchinson, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just I they're gonna have their share of struggles. So uh you know I I I'm not gonna to read too much into one game.
1: No, I think that's certainly fair, and look, we've, we've mentioned that they're back on the road against the Hornets on Friday. On Saturday, they're on the road against the Atlanta Hawks. Now, the Hawks, obviously, a rebuilding team themselves, but they've been kind of frisky here, and Trey Young's been balling out, so that's not necessarily a guaranteed win, but they're the next two games, but thereafter, starting Monday, they've got the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Indiana Pacers, the Houston Rockets, so... That's a tough stretch of games coming up next week. So if the Bulls are going to get a few wins here on the ball, they need to get them before they face the Golden State Warriors, one would imagine. But the last one, Darnell, before I let you get off here, is the the tank narrative. We saw this before before this game as well. And again, this feeds into the whole idea of the Bulls always do the reverse of what you expect them to do. It's something that they just have done over the last three, four, five years. It's always the always the case with this team for whatever reason. But a lot of people online were firing up the tank narrative after the done, uh, the done news came out. I thought it was a little bit early for that talk, but I, I guess getting back to what we've, what we've been talking about in, in terms of their deficiencies that this squad currently has, even in light of all the injuries, do they even need to actively tank to be bad at the moment? Because it seems like they can go out there and just do their thing and still be pretty damn bad.
0: I, I thought that's actually what they were doing when they put Felicio in the game. I really did. <laughs> I looked around. I threw my hands up and I said, where am I? And how did I get here? Who kidnapped me? How did I get here? Uh, but, but you know, I mean, they have, like you said, a lot of deficiencies. Their defense is not going to be good this, this season. Uh, And because of all the injuries, uh, particularly to Laurie Markkinen uh, and Chris Dunn, uh, they're they're, they're going to have their share of struggles. So I don't think that they need to go out there and and sit Robin Lopez or sit um, Zach Levine again like they did at the end of last year. They're going to lose games organically this time. Um, But, man, it was good that they got this win because, like you said, that schedule that's coming up it's not pretty and if they didn't get this one you don't know where the next one was Or the first one would have come so um but it's funny though mark i, I was sitting there thinking and i shouldn't say this i know this but i'm sitting there thinking really guys you're going to win this game really cuz i'm kind of on the tank i'm kind of on the tank myself like just, well yeah i saw you i saw you reject
1: the tankathon
0: <laughs> yeah i'll I go, i'm going and i'm going down to indianapolis I think it's about two two and a half hour drive from here something like that maybe three I don't know uh I, I'm gonna go down there in two weeks and I'm gonna check out those guys and I want to see what what they look like and how they could potentially fit in a Chicago Bulls uniform so uh, it, it, to me <laughs> here's my logic get the losses out of the way early that way in the second half of the season you can you know if you win all right no big deal you, you know you're just making up for lost time with the wins, but you've got enough losses in the bank to where you could potentially be uh, one of the one, have one of the, I don't want to say one of the worst teams, but have one of the worst records. So, uh, and with the lottery reform, you know, who knows, who knows what would happen. You could have the fifth worst record and end up with the first pick. So uh, I, I do think that they, at this point, you know, with so many injuries, I'm not saying go out there and actively do it. Maybe it happens organically, like, like we said, but the best thing that could happen to this Bulls team is going out and getting RJ Barrett, Cameron Reddish, or or Zion Williamson.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's certainly the case. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of time in the coming months for some draft talks. I won't, I won't labor on that point too much, but we'll we'll see what happens as long as, as long as there's organic growth of the players as well. If these Ls start to sort of rack up, like we've seen with Zach Levine, he's obviously clearly improved. We get to see Larry Markkinen maybe in a month or so. So, so long as these players are out there and improving, we've seen I've liked what I've seen from Wendell Carter Jr. as well. Then I don't really care about the result, but we'll see how it all plays out over the coming months. But Darnell, I appreciate you jumping on the line, mate, and um spending some time with me here to, to go through the unfortunate news about Chris Dunn, but then So uh, I guess pick things up here with this, like I said, this random, crazy, stupid win over the uh, Charlotte Hornets. (laughs) I I appreciate you jumping on, mate. But before you get away, if you could just let the people know where to follow you online. I'm sure they know already, but uh, yeah, just give yourself a plug.
0: Theathletic.com. You know, we're in every U.S. market now and in Canada. Well, not every U.S. market, but uh, we're covering every pro team in in the U.S. and we're in Canada as well. And, you know, for a very low, low monthly Fee, you know you can get some great quality journalism and uh you find us at the athletic shy on twitter and i'm at darnell mayberry d-a-r-n-e-l-l-m-a-y-b-e-r-r-y on twitter
1: perfect mate i appreciate you coming on and uh, i'm sure you've got those nuggets to work on for us in the morning that i'm, I'm definitely will be reading on the athletics so again thanks for coming on and uh, we'll do it again sometime
0: anytime keep up the great work
1: thanks mate All right, folks, so that just about does it for another episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for jumping on and joining me this week. Uh, Again, like I said a little bit earlier, it wasn't a planned episode necessarily. I I didn't really want to be doing this podcast, obviously, given the news with Chris Dunn. Uh, I'd rather him be out there healthy playing and and that sort of thing. But obviously, given his injury, I thought it was... It it made sense to jump online and, and get our thoughts out there about Chris Dunn. But it was also timely as well that the Bulls happened to pull out an amazing win here against the Charlotte Hornets. So thanks for joining me. Thanks again to Darnell for coming on. It was always a pleasure talking to someone like Darnell who covers this team pretty extensively. So give Darnell a follow if you're not already doing so. I'm sure you are as well as The Athletic too. But do that if you're not. In the meantime, follow the show on Twitter at Bulls HQ Pod. Follow me on Twitter at MKHoops. And we'll be back again on Monday with another wrap-up of probably the weekend's games here. It'll be me. It'll be Fred Pfeiffer. We'll be talking Bulls. So be on the lookout for that on Monday. So until then, thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you all again next time.